Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Albstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seahawks fans, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alfstead, here with co-host Keith Myers. Keith, talk to me. Tell me how everything's going. We're here to talk uh, uh, roster uh, projection uh, today, uh, 53-man roster. Um, you completed this task long before I did. You were ready to go last week, and I kind of had to make up some time. Uh, but here we are, and we're ready to talk Seahawks football. Yeah, this is kind of a fun one. We spent the last two weeks kind of going over the roster, um, the 90 people that are currently on the roster at all the different positions and and kind of just looking at that. And now we go, okay, but now you got to narrow it down to 53, which means um, 25 on offense, 25 on defense, plus or minus one with each of those, um, and then three for special teams. And there's enough talent here that that's actually, it's pretty tough. Um, you and I probably will agree on... 45 of them fairly quickly but then those but those last like eight can be really challenging um yeah well and they're just not names they're you actually have to argue your your point like why do you intend to have them on the roster over somebody else at another position yeah and and it's um it's a it 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 ends up being a very uh, interesting uh, exercise, and it's going to be kind of cool to share it with everyone here uh, on the air. So let's let's jump right in. Sure, yeah, and I I had a bonus. I uh, included a, a twelve player practice squad uh, mm-hmm. at the end of mine as well. So so let's uh, can we can we start with the easy one, and that's the three special teamers because oh, I thought you were going to say Russell Wilson. No, I was going to say that because there's no well, <laughs> that one's easy too. But it's it's after Russell Wilson with the rest of the quarterbacks. There might be a, a discussion, but on special teams, the the team currently has one kicker, one punter, one long snapper. There's no competition. There's no one else brought in. It's literally those three guys, and for all intents and purposes, they're guaranteed to make the squad. So we can pretty much just send those guys to Hawaii during training camp and bring them back for the first preseason game. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Why not? That's what I would be asking for. I want to go to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jason Myers, kicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a contract that pretty much cements him in the job, um, unless something catastrophic were to happen. Um, he got kind of sideways a little bit last year. Early but on, but then he really righted the ship. He did. It was fine down the stretch. And Do you trust... I got a question for you, though. Do you trust him in anything longer than 50 yards? And do you trust him with the game on the line? Um, I trust him with the game on the line if it's a shorter kick. Uh, the longer ones are, you know, he's he's not the most accurate. He's got the leg to hit from, like, 58. But when that's, he gets back that far, thing. he tends to push things right when he's back that far. Um, so, you know, I'm... I don't know. I mean, like I said, if if it's sh- if it's a shorter kick, if he's got like a you know a thirty eight yarder to win, you know, as time runs out, yeah, I trust him to make that. If he's got a fifty two yarder to win as time runs out, I am. I'm yeah, not but you can say that about confident. a lot of kickers. So I mean, that's that's neither here nor there. You know, my thing with Jason Myers is um, 
just don't want him to cost us any games, you know, and that's always the deal, you mm-hmm. know, and he may have cost us one last year and you just hate to kind of see that. I just don't want that to go forward and, and that be an issue so far. I think it's okay. He's not, he's not going to be a pro bowler. It doesn't look like, but he's not going to be at the bottom of the league either. So, mm-hmm. um, Michael Dixon, uh, had an all pro season his rookie year, second year, he kind of, Dropped off slightly. What do you expect from Michael Dixon I just want, uh, this year? I just expect and want him to be more consistent. Uh, I, he was an all-pro as a as a rookie. And then last year, he still had those booming kicks, and he still had, like, he, he still did things that no one else can do with a, with a football as far as a punter goes. Um, his ability to re- hit a reverse spin ball and, and things like that are just crazy. Um, but he also shanked a few kicks and those drastically lowered his average so that he would, he looked more like everybody else instead of, instead of being truly yeah. instead of being truly special. He was very average because he'd shanked uh, enough kicks that it was like a, you know, it, it just lowered his average down and you can't have is that, that him trying too hard. I don't or know. Is that him just, is it a concentration thing with a punter? Uh, honestly, it can be a lot of different things. It could be him trying too hard. It could be a concentration thing. It could actually be a rushing his process a little bit because he's worried about it being blocked. I mean, I don't know. And, and with different situations, it can be different uh, things, even with the same uh, punter. So um, I don't know. And But I do know that he has just crazy talent compared to the rest of the punters in the league. We saw that when, in his rookie year. I want to get him back to that. Um, we actually, we saw it last year too, but it just, I just want to see the shank stop. So that way when, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the day, everything he's doing is, you know, pro bowl level or better because that's his talent. So I'll let you mention the last guy because I mentioned him, uh, last week and I said that I wouldn't be mentioning him again, uh, this year. Yeah. Um, so the last guy would be Tyler Ott. He's the long snapper. Um, the best thing you can always say about a long snapper is you don't have to mention him because if he's doing his job, then his name never comes up. And yeah. so we're talking about him now, but we're talking about him because he's actually been pretty good and we haven't had worry about the long snapper position Um since he became the guy. I mean, there was Clint Gresham who was great for a while and then there was a really bad John freeze or something like that. Um, no, that was a quarterback. Was that a quarterback? That was, I, yeah, I, that can't, was, remember. That I can't remember a, his name. That was a quarterback in the post, uh, Dave Craig era. Um, yes, I do remember that <laughs> now. So yeah, but, and, and they gave Taylor a lot, uh, like a three or four year contract yep. before last season as well. So he's, he's inked in there for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get to, uh, the offense in general, is there anything else that came up this week? I can't even remember. We just kind of started off and we started the show and we were right into it. Um, there really isn't any news out there. No, right? there's, there's nothing going on. And that's a good thing because there's nothing to go on. I mean, we can sit here and wait. Well, for I news. did see some, I did see some COVID-19 um, reports trickle in this week about teams having players, college football teams having players with a little um, bout of COVID within their ranks and having them being quarantined and so forth. And it really does lead me to question just how logistically it is going to be possible to keep the NFL um, 
from having that issue. And when they do have that issue, what does it do? I mean, there's a lot of money on the line in the NFL. And when you shut down one team, you're basically, you're affecting two teams because they play a, mm-hmm. an opponent that week. And then you're, you've got your own team and that's going to cost you a game. How do they address that? I just, I don't even know. I mean, it's hard for me to wrap my brain around it. Yeah. And I mean, you'll, if you look at, at what's gone on in, in Germany with the Bundesliga, they've just played on and they've managed to keep things going and not have to shut stuff down. Uh, baseball's trying, they're going to get back in well before the NFL has to make a decision on things. So they're going to be a nice test case. Uh, it's possible the NBA will also be, but they're talking about doing it as a, um, you know, ever city type thing. Yeah. Where, where there's no interaction between, uh, players and anyone outside of the NBA outside of the bubble. So that's, that they might be a little different. Uh, but with the NFL, you know, they're not planning on doing that at this point. We'll have to just, it's still kind of a wait and see thing and we don't know where it's going to go. And, um, it is weird, and it's it's odd that um, we don't have an answer at this point, but at the same time, we've still got three months uh, before we need an answer. So, Well, and I, I live in a state that had 2,300 brand new cases of COVID-19 um, yeah, just yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, the, it's the most... Um, expanding COVID-19 state in the entire country. And um, it just seems to me like the current trajectory is, is unsustainable. And we've got a governor here that's not going to do anything about it. Basically. Mm-hmm. Um, the same is so true. In, the same is true in tough. Florida where um, it's just exploding. They had just under 3000. It was like 2,900 and, and change new cases yesterday. Uh, in, in the state of Florida. And, but then again, you look at um, in Oregon where they were, they're very concerned about the uptick in, in cases in Oregon where there were 34 new cases yesterday. Um, yes. And, I, <laughs> and they postponed uh, phase two opening in, in Multnomah in, County. Yep. Right, right. Because of 34. So, you know, the, it's a, it's a different response depending on where you are and on, Oddly, the political leanings of your governor, which I think is strange, um, that one side would, you know, take it more seriously yeah. than the other. And, right. and I honestly, like, it, it is weird to me that that somehow keeping people from getting this deadly disease has become political. But, you know, yeah. in this state of uh, the way our politics is in the country, I guess everything is becoming political. So... It is what it is. All right. Back to the offense. Let's start at the top, Keith. Oh, yeah. Um, this is a football show. This is a football show. Um, so this is our fourth annual roster prediction show, too, by the way. We may have a second one, um, depending on how this thing goes and stretches out a little bit. We'll see. But yeah, cause usually, this is kind of an, our, our early attempt. Usually we do one during the preseason, like after the second game or after the third game. Yes. Um, and then it's more right. of a, okay, let's put this, let's get this out there and then we'll test to see how we did when the, when the roster yes. is finally set. So this one's more of a, let's a, a more of a, a roster analysis kind of version. Yeah. It's a, it's just kind of a fun exercise yeah. because there's just nothing else going on. Um, okay. Russell Wilson. Starting quarterback, Geno Smith uh, signed a one-year deal mm-hmm. to be the backup this year. 
And then we drafted, excuse me, we did not draft. Anthony Gordon came in as an undrafted rookie free agent. And so we've got three there competing. Uh, it's really about Anthony Gordon and Geno Smith. Geno Smith is the consummate pro. He's got the experience. He's He's got a, um, you know, kind of a medium floor, low ceiling kind of a guy. Perfect backup quarterback. And then you've got Anthony Gordon, who's got higher upside, but, but a currently lower a lower floor. floor. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do you do with a guy like that? Well, um, to me, he's a guy that unless he comes in and just seriously impresses and he plays at a level um, in camp and preseason where you just you, you, you have to take notice, um, he's a guy that you, you try and put onto the practice squad for this first yes. year. Um, and if he does do that, where he, he comes in and he, he basically says, no, you can't cut me based on his play. Um, then you go, okay. <laughs> and you, yeah. and you, well, you go, okay. Stay, but so. <laughs> what, you know, if you look at the roster and we will go throughout this whole process, is there a chance that the Seattle Seahawks for the first time in Pete Carroll's era, uh, keep three quarterbacks on the roster. I mean, that could be a, a question. I don't think so. I think it's definitely a practice squad situation, but he's a kind of a coveted guy. And if he has a preseason where he's putting up some serious numbers and people take notice, not just the Seahawks, but other teams, he could be in jeopardy of getting picked off. Now, uh, it would be, I think it would be a team that ha- that keeps three quarterbacks that would take him because mm-hmm. I don't know that he's necessarily going to be attractive to a team that only keeps two quarterbacks and he's the primary backup right off, right out of the gate. Unless that team has no designs on really, you know, winning, you know, going to the playoffs that year. If it's a young developing team overall, maybe they take a young guy like that. Um, so it'll be interesting, but I do think that they push him towards the practice squad. And I, I think so too. And, and, you know, you look at the situation, what would it take for a team to, to take him? Well, they they have to be willing to carry three quarterbacks uh, on the roster, which very few teams do nowadays. And Or the other situation would be it would have to be a team that gets just devastated at quarterback where they lose uh, a couple of guys to injuries and so they just don't have, you know, a second guy and then they're looking for someone. But in that situation, you know, when you guys got – when you've got guys like Colin Kaepernick out there um, – or at still at this point, Cam Newton is still out there. Uh, that would be that would be more sure. of the situation. Where There's definitely a pecking guys. order. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and and a guy, a, a, an undrafted rookie, would be way down that pecking order list. So I I would say quarterbacks an easier one to push a guy through to to the practice squad. It's about keeping them there. And this year, you're allowed to protect guys. And uh, I would if he gets if he plays decently. Uh, then I would expect him to get through to the practice squad, but then be protected so they could keep him uh, there on the practice squad. So normally uh, during the week, I don't share my information with Keith. He doesn't share his information. We just get on here and we start talking and we figure it out together. And everything that we say is new um, and it's totally unscripted. We're just, we're just showing up Mm -hmm. Uh, this week. I, I sent my, uh, projection uh, to Keith ahead of time just to say, hey, I'm done. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I didn't and, actually uh, look at it. <laughs> okay. I, I looked at it. I was like, hey, look, it's done. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I didn't, um, I have no idea. But one of the things, 
Well, one of the things that we did talk about briefly was uh, running back position. And like I, I said, I don't know where we're going to have our differences or where our cut's going to be. I said, what'd you do at running back? He said, I, you know, I ended up cutting somebody and I have them on my roster. So this is where we diverge a little bit on the, on the, uh, the show. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to see now how this kind of shapes your your roster from here going out. So why don't you cover the running backs? Yeah, because this is this is one of the tougher positions um, when you start looking at it. Because obviously Chris Carson is expected to be there week one and ready to go. They've spent $4 million to bring in Carlos Hyde. They drafted DJ Dallas. Um, and then you've got uh, Rashad Penny there. Um, I actually don't have him on the roster. Not that I expect him to get cut. I expect him to not be ready. And so therefore he's going to start the year on the physically unable to perform list and be out until, you know, week six or something like that. And then you have Travis Homer who made the roster last year as a fourth running back and actually got, um, considerable playing time at the end of the year when the top three guys were all hurt. Uh, and showed he had some value, although he was not a great scheme fit for the running back position. Um, you know, first and second down, but on, as a third down back, he had uh, some tremendous value. You got a couple of um, you know undrafted guys that are in there fighting for a spot, and then you have another guy that's going to take up a roster spot, maybe uh, in Nick Belor. Uh, he's listed as a fullback. He's the only fullback on the roster. He is formerly a linebacker. Uh, but he's a fullback here in Seattle. He's mostly a special teams player. He plays two to three snaps a game, usually in goal line situations, and that's it, um, other than special teams. So, yeah. Um, what are you going to so do So what do you that? do? Do you keep four or do you keep five running backs on the roster? That's the question. That's the question. And I, in order to make room on at other positions, I kept four with Carson Hyde and Dallas, and then Belor. Um, originally, I didn't have Belor, but then I came back and and was oh. like, "No, that you gotta have you gotta have a fullback. Really? You gotta have someone. Who, oh, okay. Because cool. other, so that's that's surprising. Yeah, that, and that was that's actually a change from um, you know when we were were uh, texting about you know what we were thinking with there. But I don't have Homer making the roster. Um, Interesting. And I have Penny on the pup list. So I have, you know, the three guys with Carson Hyde and Dallas as my, uh, my running back room with Belor as a fullback. That makes me a little teams. nervous. That plan. Yeah. But you don't, but you don't like DJ Dallas and I do. I think, he's well, we're going to find out. Yeah. We're going to find out, but I went with Carson. Uh, I put Rashad Penny on my pup list. I went with Carlos Hyde, Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, and Nick Ballore. You went so with I have, five. I went with all all five of those guys, and then when Penny comes back, they're going to have to make a decision. Um, but yeah, for for right now, I did. Uh, Seattle really intends to to run the ball. It's their uh, mode of operation, and they're going to go strong at this position. Uh, fully staffed. Um, I think that if you leave uh, Travis Homer off the roster that really creates a, a question mark and it, and it completely depends on the draft pick of, of DJ Dallas to, uh, to, to be available and to, to be there. Um, Travis Homer was on the roster all year last year, so he's not available to, to be on the, the practice squad. Correct. That's not true. He actually is available. Oh, he is. Oh, okay. Yep. So, I mean, you could, you could do that, but I think they go in strong that way and we'll take a look and see, 
you know, compare our rosters going forward from here as to what that, what that affects. But, Mm -hmm. um, that's my choice right now. In fact, overall, I ended up keeping 26 players on offense and 24 on defense. And maybe that's where the change happens. We'll see, see how that goes. And that's probably where the difference is, is because I couldn't, I couldn't find a, a, a spot uh, for Homer because I needed other, I needed people at, at tight end and wide receiver. And so therefore it became a, who mm-hmm. do you, who do you pick out of, uh, it was like four or five guys and I have to pick two and Homer was the one that didn't go. And in, uh, I, in part, I obviously took one off of the defensive side of the ball to make this happen. So yep. we'll see how that plays out. And then um, for me, I actually, I, I leaned into your argument, which is they're going to run the ball. They want to run the ball. And Travis Homer is not a guy that fits Seattle's running game. He's not an inside zone runner. And that's my justification for him not making the team, um, which is weird. I get it, you know, but Hey, whatever. It's my, it's my roster prediction. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Wide receiver. So, uh, I've got, I've got, uh, five this year. I know last year they decided to go with six because they kept John Ursu on the roster the entire year, but he was often a scratch, healthy scratch on game days and so forth. So I went with five Tyler Lockett, DK Madcalf, Philip Dorsett, David Moore, and Freddie Swain, the draft pick. I cut John Ursua, who's going to be 27 this year. Didn't Mm -hmm. really show last year. They didn't trust him enough to use him in games. He he had that one catch uh, late in the year in the playoffs or whatever, and that was it, right? Um, And so something had to give, and he was the guy. They also had uh, a few other guys, Aaron Fuller, Seth Dawkins, Cody Thompson, um, undrafted free agent guys that they let go. Uh, Stefan Sullivan and Penny Hart. Uh, Penny Hart's also a practice squad guy. I have him going to the practice squad um, again. Stefan Sullivan, Sullivan you have him cut, getting cut. S- s- yeah, he is a seventh round guy. We came back in the draft and picked him up. He's just so raw, Keith. I just don't see him making the the team. You'd have to cut Nick Ballore and keep Sullivan or something like that. Um, and I just felt like at this point in the year with COVID and all that stuff impacting the season, he's not going to be ready to go and to protect a guy like that on the roster, especially when you've got like David Moore, um, there and, and DK Metcalf, essentially the, you know, the same type of player already there. He's probably going to be a practice squad guy and I don't see him getting picked off, um, this year with all those circumstances and he needs some development time, and I think that would be a good spot for him. So uh, there is one more name that uh, we can discuss, and that would be Josh Gordon, because it all signs still point to him being reinstated sometime uh, later this summer, um, late July, early August, and then at that moment him coming back to Seattle. If Josh Gordon does resign. Who gets cut? I would say that it's not going to be a wide receiver Uh, based on my list. Well, it could be David Moore, depending on how David Moore does uh, out of the gate. 
um, you could make an argument that he could be let go uh, just because in three years he hasn't been very consistent. And if he doesn't show up again at the beginning of the year, say the first four games, uh, you could be totally willing to cut David Moore and replace him with Josh Gordon. That would make sense to me. Okay. So here's how I ran it. Cause I, this is funny. Cause this is, but I'm, I didn't do Gordon though up front because he's not on the 90 man. This is, That's, this is a, a kind of a very different situation. Um, because obviously Lockett, Metcalf, and Dorsett um, are there on both of ours. But then after those three, I went in a different direction. Um, I looked at Josh Gordon being the fourth and was like, okay, but he's not on the roster. So what happens if he doesn't make it? Well, then you bring in David Moore, who's who's got three years. And so he's kind of not quite a vet, but he's not a rookie or any of that kind of stuff. So you still have... Um, a reliable guy that you know a lot about, um, whether it be Gordon or Moore as the fourth person. And that gives you a top four that I thought felt really good about. You have a lot of experience there. And then after that, uh, I just went with pure talent. And to me, it was uh, Stefan Sullivan and John Ursua uh, as the five and six, which means Freddie Swain actually doesn't make it and ends up... Um, trying to get through to the practice squad, uh, much like last year with Jennings um, getting beat out by Ursula, where Ursula made the roster instead. Well, they both made the roster, but uh, Jennings was cut later um, because Ursula had passed him on the depth chart. Uh, and I, I could see kind of the same thing happening. I Part of it is I'm just really not that excited about Freddie Swain. I don't see... Mm-hmm. What he, he does brings, have some value in so. in return in the return game. Um, he he's definitely a guy that's more of um, more refined as a as a pass catcher and a route runner than Stefan Sullivan is, but with a much he, lower ceiling. Yes, and so that's yes, what, but you got to help your team right now. True, but if you've got and that's four, the difference. If you've got four guys who are. Uh, experienced players who you know. Yeah, but Freddie Swain can help you on special teams right now. And Stefan Sullivan, while I like him, he's not going to be a speedster on special teams. He might be a blocker for you. But I think Freddie Swain offers you more value. That's just me. Yeah, I I just went with the higher upside. You could even argue that Penny Hart has more value than Stefan Sullivan this year for the Seahawks. I don't know. Not with... uh, Stephen Sullivan just has a skill set, you know, at his size that other people don't. And other than maybe True. DK Metcalf. And so that's why to me he was Well, and DK Metcalf's ran a 4-3-4 th- four, four as well and and Sullivan's more like a 4-6. It was a four, it was like a 4-5, but that's also before he he's being asked to lose 10 pounds um in order to do that. So, um yeah, and so I just went with. Well, I mean, I, wait, yeah, we definitely, we definitely differ on this. I, yeah. it, I think your strategy is interesting because my strategy was you have four veteran, experienced guys that you can count on. So go ahead right. and 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 keep upside for players five and six because they're not going to get a lot of playing time unless somebody gets hurt. Um, and then if someone gets hurt, and then you're holding on to, and then you're holding on to Ursula as well. Yeah, because I think John Ursua can uh, make a difference and be an impactful player. I like his skill set. I know he's going to be 27, and he only had um, a very tiny impact last year because uh, the team was kind of set at, at wide receiver. But 
the team kept him all year. Uh, even when, you know, Jennings got cut, who was a fourth round pick, they brought in Jordan or Josh Gordon. Um, and they didn't, you know, they still decided to, to hold on to Urso at that point. Um, they kept him and he's got a skill set, which is different than anyone else on the roster. Uh, and I value that. Mm-hmm. And so I think he gets one more year to show that he belongs. Um, and so, yeah, that's why I went, I went with six and I've got four guys that are experienced that I can count on and two guys that I want to see show us that they belong. Nice. I, I'm curious as to see how that affects the rest of you. So you've got six wide receivers. How many tight ends did you end up with? Four. Me too. So let's move on to tight end because um, I thought tight end was one of the easier positions to 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 do. And that's you've got Greg Olson, the um, uh, former All-Pro from uh, Carolina who comes over on a one-year deal. You've got Will Disley who looks like an absolute difference maker when he's healthy, but he's hasn't been healthy. Um, just he had a really bad patellar tendon injury in his rookie year, and then last year tore his Achilles on the other leg, which is actually a really common um, thing that when someone's coming back from a patellar tendon injury. Um, and then after that, I went with the receiving guys, Jacob Hollister, who was an impactful player last year after coming up from the practice squad and really looked good. Um, and then the guy they drafted uh, to be another Jacob Hollister type uh, except for that he's more physically only gifted. six foot seven he's only, he's only <laughs> six foot seven and that is Colby um, Parkinson uh, who isn't much of a blocker just like Hollister but uh, has potential to do that he just hasn't been asked to he's more of a, a but he's a pterodactyl slot. yeah mm-hmm. yeah I did the same thing I mean same four um, yep. for the same reasons um, they end up cutting Luke Wilson. He's on mm-hmm. a, you know, vet minimum deal. They brought him back and he'll, he'll be in camp to compete. Or if anybody gets hurt, mm-hmm. you know, parentheses, Disley, he's there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I also had them cutting a couple of undrafted rookie free agents in Domwood Anderson, uh, and Tyler, uh, Mabry. Mm-hmm. I like Domwood Anderson better. He's a more complete tight end. I actually think he has a chance to stick around a small chance, but a chance. And I think they like him enough to, to give him a practice squad spot in the end. But I went with Disley Olson, Parkinson and Hollister as well. Yep. Um, and you combine that with Lockett and Medcalf Dorsett. Um, and then, uh, the guys out of the backfield in, in Dallas, um, and, and possibly Homer to take, uh, pass catches out of the backfield. We have a really talented, um, you know, playmaker uh, yeah. squad on this team. Wilson's going to be able to spread the ball around. He doesn't have to force the ball to um, Doug Baldwin like he used to, because <laughs> where he just needed, you know, where Baldwin needed yeah. help, um, you know, until uh, Tyler Lockett came around. But you know, this now it seems like he's just got a bunch of different guys he can he can play with. And who do you double? T- who do you double team out of that group? Tyler Lockett or Medcalf? You have to. You have to double because team if you double first. team one or the other, you're going to end up you're going to end up creating some mismatches here that that we're going to be able to exploit. And, that, and that's the point. And if you double team the wrong one, if you double, like I say, you set up 
uh, where you're going to double team Tyler Lockett and then Philip Dorsett runs from the slot and runs the slot fade. He's got the speed to get behind anybody. So um, you can really create a lot of problems with uh, the way this position group go. It looks uh, just, I mean, just all the, the, the red zone is going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, when you got Medcalf and you got Disley and Olsen and Parkinson all standing <laughs> They're in the end zone, holding their arms up, and all Wilson yep. has to do is so, throw it high. There is, there was one wrinkle in this tight end group that I thought about pretty heavily, um, and that is if the team decides to move on from Nick Ballore, keeping either uh, Wood Anderson or Luke Wilson as a full, as a fullback, because both of those guys can mm-hmm. line up behind the line of scrimmage and be a lead blocker. Um, more so than anybody else they have on on the roster, maybe even more so than Nick Pallor, who's a, a former linebacker. Um, well, that so, would definitely come in as a special team sort of situation. Yeah, you know, who is the better special teams player? And then um, it and then it would come down to being Nick Pallor. He's the better special teams player out of the three. Um, that's that's the entire reason why he's on this roster. Yes, I so, agree. But I so just, let's go to the in, the interior offensive line. Okay, so for the offensive line, I just have a offensive line uh, as a single sure. group, and I've got nine, which I think is pretty standard. Um, I ended up yeah. having ten. Okay, yeah, and so that's where your ex, your extra player is really coming in. Um, yes, I had a hard time because there was definitely opportunities to grab a tenth, um, and I but I tried to keep it at nine because that's pretty standard. So uh, my starters up front, you know, were Dwayne Brown, Mike Lupati, BJ Finney, Damian Lewis, Brendan Shell. I don't think that's all that debatable unless Phil Haynes beats out Mike Lupati. Um, and if that happens, I would guess that Lupati would get cut. Um, mm-hmm. But, but, you know, you have those five Haynes, Jamarco Jones, Cedric Abuihe, and, uh, that gives me eight. I needed a backup center, and I went with Ethan Posick as my backup center uh, because I think he offers you a little more his ability to play guard and center than um, Joey Hunt, who is just a center. And so uh, that was my group, and there's a lot of talent up there on the cut list. With um, you want me to go through them all? Because uh, I mean, obviously, I already sure. mentioned Joey Hunt. Jordan Simmons is a guy that most people uh, probably don't remember, but not last year because he was on injured reserve the whole year. But the year before that, he uh, made a pretty major impact at guard for a couple of games before getting hurt. Um, and then he got hurt again in the spring. And that's kind of his thing is he's good, but injury prone. Um but he was a guy that I had a hard time cutting just because of the talent. Chance Wormack is a guy that was a first-round pick uh, who kind of washed out mainly because of injuries. He hasn't played in uh, two years and now is trying to get back into the league, but I have him getting cut. Jordan Roos was a guy that I considered as the backup center slash guard. Um, I went with Posick, even though Posick is a little more injury-prone. I think he's got a much higher ceiling. Um, and then there's, you know, Khalil McKenzie, Kyle Fuller, Tommy Champion, Demetrius uh, Knox, Chad Wheeler, who are all guys that... They already let Demetrius Knox go. 
Oh, they did. See, I didn't. I missed that. Um, so he was on my. But you know, I was looking at, at at these guys, and I'm just like, I, the 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 talent at the top end is there, and I don't see a lot of space for these guys to come in and fight for a spot because one through eight or one through nine are all pretty pretty good players, and so who are they going to beat out? Yeah, so we differed a little bit. Um, I have your main starting five, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I kept Joey Hunt instead of Ethan Posick. Um, I also kept Chance Warmack there because I have 10 linemen. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up cutting Tommy Champion, Chad Wheeler at tackle mm-hmm. and cutting Ethan Posick, Jordan Roos, and Jordan Simmons along with Kilo McKenzie at guard and Kyle Fuller at center. The reason I went with Joey Hunt, and we both know, and, and everyone's familiar with the, the faults of Joey Hunt, um, mostly to do with just how big he is. And that gets him in trouble a little bit with big, active, um, penetrating defensive tackle types on the offensive line. But I'm hoping that B.J. Finney you know, makes it through the year. But I think having an experienced guy at center and Joey Hunt behind Finney, I think, is more important to the team out of the gate. I think Ethan Posek does have a higher ceiling, but he's also injury prone to the point where I thought it was a detriment and got him off the roster, actually. Um, And then, um, so Chad Brown, Brandon Schell, Jamarco Jones, Cedric Abuahi at tackle, and Damian Lewis, Mike Upati, Phil Haynes, Chance Warmack at guard, B.J. Finney starting center, Joey Hunt behind him. And out of those, I had uh, Tommy Champion, Khalil McKenzie, and Kyle Fuller uh, each making the practice squad. Yeah, I could see that. Um, that's a good group uh, for the practice squad. Um, I mean, the only other one that I would consider uh, of the people that are that have been cut off your list might be Chad Wheeler, but um, mm-hmm. honestly, I I think he would be. He wouldn't be the first guy I'd pick. I like I like the three that you picked uh, to end up on the practice squad. Well, so. and it is, it is you know it comes down to Tommy Champion and Chad Wheeler. I mean, if Tommy Champion shows some upside at mm-hmm. you know during camp, uh, they might likely keep a guy like that around just because he's younger and uh, they can develop a guy like that. And they've got enough there ahead of him where he doesn't need to be uh, on the team at all this year. And yeah, and you know they need to protect somebody he's a little more athletic and therefore has a higher upside. And I, I just think that he's a kind of a better fit. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. It's it, all in all, whether we're, what we're talking about is, you know, whether we can argue Ethan Posick versus Joey Hunt or, or any I think of that. For me, it was um, Ethan Posick versus Wormack on the roster. That's where I really came down to because Posick could be a guard and center. So for me, it was Posick as a guard. I was looking at him more as a guard. Mm-hmm. And I thought that Chance Warmack is going to come in, and I think he's going to surprise people. Um, he's been waiting for an opportunity. He's a very good guard. He started for Tennessee, I think, for three years at right guard. Um, he's definitely got some capability. I think the injury thing is a little overblown for him. If you really go back and look at his injury history, the thing that really kind of forced him out and shut him down was late in the season in 2017, they put him on injured reserve and, uh, excuse me, in 2018, 
in 2019. Nobody picked him up. He That was his last year of his contract. Nobody picked him up in 2019, so he spent the year out of football, but not, not by choice, just because it was just one of those deals. He wasn't going to be ready by the time the year started, and then it was just kind of too late to land on a roster. So I think it's just a it's an opportunity for him to really show and get back into the league. And I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity there for him to do that. And this is a good roster for him to be on to, to do that. <clears throat> so that was my, my offense. I ended up with 26 guys. You ended up with 25. Mm-hmm. Um, and, we and differed good, on. Go I ahead. Had, I would say I've got a, one more, one more wide receiver than you, but yep. one fewer running back. Um, and then you've got one more offensive line and I have one more defensive player. Um, yes. right. So, but for so the let's most, see where that happens. Yeah. Yep. For the most part, it's a lot of the same guys. Um, obviously the, the, the bottom of the offensive line group and the bottom of the wide receivers, I think are the only spots where you were significantly different. And that'll be interesting. I mean, those are the battles. I mean, when you really look at this and what we're talking about today is where the battle points are going to be when the, when the roster kind of shows out in training camp. So this will be a lot of fun. So do you want to do this right, back to front tackle. or front to back? You want to do well, I want to start with the tackles. Yeah. Cause okay. this is the group to me that's, that's really weak. And I went through this exercise and it even proved it, that it's just lacking after our first two guys. And I don't even know because mm-hmm. I think we're not done yet, but we're looking at our own 90-man roster right now, the way it's currently constructed. So that's where we're at. Uh, Jerron Reed, Puna Ford, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. are going to be there at the, um, the, the, the zero technique and the three tech. And then uh, DeMarcus Christmas is there, and Brian Monet is there. They're both more of run-stuffing kind of players, although DeMarcus Christmas is a little light as far as his weight is concerned, but he's he's more proficient at run stuffing than he is being able to move his feet and, and penetrate the pocket and so forth. And Brian Monet is huge at like 365 or whatever. And that's it. You got Josh Avery and Cedric Lattimore as um, undrafted free agents coming in to compete. To me, Josh Avery's too small and has a little upside. In fact, he could be one of the first players cut and swapped out for somebody else. I think that's sitting on the roster. Cedric Lattimore to me has a little bit more upside. Um, and that's a guy that they look at as far as keeping, um, around and he could possibly land on the practice squad. He's six, three, two ninety five, ran a four, nine, eight, 40. Uh, last year in college, I had 44 tackles, three and a half tackles for lost couple, three sacks, four QB pressures, forced fumble and recovery. Uh, playing for Iowa. So not a small school guy, a, a bigger school guy. I think he's a little bit more ready-made to to come in and compete and maybe lands on the practice squad. What do you got, Keith? So I've got the same four. It's obviously, you know, uh, Puna and Reed are, are going to make it. Um, I've got uh, DeMarcus Christmas was the ninth uh, defensive lineman out of the nine that I kept, um, Brian Monet was the seventh defensive lineman of the nine that I kept. Um, and really they were eight and nine, but, uh, it was more of a, I I knew I needed another tackle. Um, I really want to see what the team's got in Cedric Lattimore. I think he can push either of the other two guys off. Uh, it's possible because neither of them were like, truly special or any, you know? Um, and so if, if Lattimore comes in and shows a bunch, he could, you know, push one of those guys off. I well, agree and with Well, Lattimore gives you a little bit more upside with the penetration of the, of the pocket. Yep. 
I would like to see um, the team go and get an, you know, this this year's version of Al Woods. There, there's usually one out there. Go, go find it. Go um, sign him. Get him in there as the third, and then you the fourth one. You know, you can pick whichever of of the the Monet, Lattimore, and Christmas one that has that shows the best in camp in the preseason as having the you know the most upside, and the most ability to um, contribute, and just keep one of those guys uh, rather than trying to keep two and expect at least one of them to play significant snaps all year. All right, what do you got for defensive end? So defensive end, um, you know, I went with. Uh, Rasheem Green and um, Daryl Taylor as my starters, um, and then backing them up, uh, Alton Robert Robinson, L.J. Collier, and, and Benson Mayo, which gives me uh, five defensive ends. I know that um, you're going to see a couple of the linebackers that we'll talk about here in a little bit um, will factor into that as pass rushers, mm-hmm. but... I I wanted to go with nine uh, defensive line in part because I think that what you're going to see is you're going to see Rasheem Green and LJ Collier factor in at uh, three tech defensive tackle uh, in like in the nickel. Well, they're they're going to move inside and and do some of the you know some of the stuff in there. And so um, I really wanted to have five, knowing that they were going to going to contribute at defensive tackle that way. I see it exactly the same way. Um, they, you know, uh, Daryl Taylor may not end up starting uh, the the first part of the year. They might go with Mayoa, mm-hmm. just from an experience standpoint. Um, but I see that developing definitely over the first half of the season, and absolutely the second half of the season. Um, but Daryl Taylor could certainly end up starting opposite Rasheem Green. They expect good things this year from Collier, second year. Injured last year, missed the first five games with a high ankle sprain, almost went on injured reserve for the entire year, and they made a decision to keep him on. Um, And he needs to really show out this year. Um, He's got a tremendous bull rush. He's great stout against the run. I think he's a good backup for Rasheem Green this year. I'm not so worried about that. I think Clowney would definitely help that position this year. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think it's going to kill it if he's not on the team either. I think they've spread that talent out over – more players this year. It gives them a better chance, I think, overall to be successful. And then Darryl, uh, Alton Robinson, I think, is a, is a great developmental guy behind both Mayoa and Taylor in that Leo spot, um, that rush spot on the defensive side. And um, and then uh, Brandon Jackson didn't make it. You know, They signed him to a one-year deal contract uh, this offseason. He's nothing – he just hasn't showed. He's just not that special – and then a couple other guys, Marcus Webb and Eli Menser on the undrafted free agent ranks. Um, I had Spencer showing a little bit more upside, even though he's undersized um, at only 225 or 229 or something like that. But he's got some speed in running a 4.5540 and gives them a little bit more upside, at least getting to the, the passer on, on specialty downs as kind of a rotation guy possibly in the future. So I kept that guy around on the practice squad. Yeah. Sam with the other way. I was looking more at Webb as the practice squad. I think Mincer is too undersized mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he doesn't, if he was, if his uh, 10 second split uh, in the 40 was 
a little faster, then I think, okay, well maybe he's got, he's one of those rare guys that can, that that can twitch up and, and get around the corner before the tackle moves. But I just didn't see it. And so I went with Webb just because I thought he was a more complete player that they can, you know, toss out there if they need to. And, and who was that guy that we traded to Houston in the clowny trade? Uh, that is a good question. And I was thinking about him. Um, yeah, I was thinking the Eli Menser thing would be kind of that profile a little bit undersized, a little faster, get around the edge. And, um, if the Seahawks were attracted to that player in the past, maybe they'd be attracted to it in the future. That's, yeah. my, that was my thinking. And that was like actually my thinking, which is why I didn't pick Menser. Cause I just didn't think mm-hmm. he had that, that, that same, uh, level of first step acceleration, um, that made it work. And so you took, okay, it's kind of the same kind of guy, but doesn't have, you know, that one trait. And so that's why I was like, eh, well, and I, you I can, mean, I can, you can also argue it, that but. they already have that on the roster too, with Shaquem Griffin. We'll talk about that in just a second as well. Yep. Which is, so let's go to linebackers. Let's do that then. Um, do you want to roll through first? Sure. So Bobby Wagner, uh, KJ Wright, Jordan Brooks, those are my starters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce Irvin, Cody Barton are there as, as uh, reserves. Obviously, both, especially Irvin, is going to get a lot of playing time. Jordan Brooks is going to have to share some time with him. Um, and or Irvin's going to have to spend more time rushing the passer on the on, uh, up front. Um, so we'll see how that plays out in camp, uh, mm-hmm. how they use Bruce Irvin, who's clearly better. They like the experience, especially early on in the year. So Jordan Brooks might share time initially um, on something like that. Cody Barton's kind of the odd guy out, unfortunately, showed some upside. He's not cut, but I don't see him getting a lot of playing time unless somebody else is getting uh, hurt. Uh, he's going to definitely contribute on special teams, but... There's just no room for him to to get a lot of playing time, at least at the outset. I could see him getting situational playing time, um, where if the other team is playing a lot of, um, uh, you know, situations where you need someone, you know, to cover someone quick out of the backfield, someone fast. KJ Wright is still very instinctual, very smart, good tackler, but his speed is is. Uh, diminished. And so I could see in certain situations them making that substitution and bringing Barton in to get more speed on the field. Uh, so I actually, yes, I can see yeah, all five but... of those guys getting playing time at linebacker. Okay. So here begins the discussion about base defense versus nickel, you know, and so are they going to sub in Barton or are they going to sub in Marquise Blair, you know, or are they going to sub in Amadi or are they going to sub in Trey Flowers or, you know, is Quentin Dunbar going to come up? Um, so you, you've got a lot of discussion there about scheme, which we haven't touched yet. And um, so that's where I'm thinking maybe Barton is the odd guy out there because is that the guy that you're going to choose out of that group of players I just mentioned to, to be in there on passing downs? It depends on what you're asking them to do. Who are you asking that's them true. to cover? If you're asking them to cover a running back out of the backfield, Barton's probably the right guy. Um, Maybe mm-hmm. Blair, uh, mm-hmm. but but Barton's probably the right guy. If you're asking him to cover a tight end, I would definitely roll with um, with Blair in that group. If you're asking to cover a um, uh, a wide receiver, well, now you're I, I bring in Amadi uh, out of that group. Um, so for me, I'm looking at at 
at it that way and saying, okay, what are you asking them to do? Who are you asking them to cover? Who's the, on the other side, uh, on the other sideline and who's not on the other sideline because they're on the field um, and make your substitution that way. So I, I totally get that. I just don't know that the Seahawks actually scheme that way. And when you take a look at the snaps over the course of the year, it seems like they lean more heavily on one player Mm-hmm. regardless of who they're facing off against. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I mean, I like the, your idea in concept. I just don't know that. I think they roll with a guy like Marquise Blair this year um, yeah. in that particular situation over Cody Barton. But it needs to play out. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Unfortunately, in my linebacker group, you didn't hear the name Shaquem Griffin. You didn't hear the name Ben Burkirvan. Um, I've cut those guys. Um, and I, I cut Burkirvan. Um, I kept Shaquem Griffin. Um, mm-hmm. But this is, I think, where you only have 24 defensive players mm-hmm. and I have 25. Mm-hmm. And I think that's ex- exactly right. Because he's in my Griffin. guy right on the bubble. Yep. yep. And I would rather have Griffin, who offers you a lot of team speed. He offers you pass rush. He offers you. Um, potentially, you know, weak side linebacker help, although you don't really need it anymore with uh with Barton and Brooks there. Uh but I, I had him sticking around over Nick no, over Nick Ballore. I could see that, see, because you know, you could even make Shaquem Griffin your special teams captain. And he is. And so it wasn't um it wasn't over Nick Ballore, it was over a tenth offensive lineman because the team is pretty good about keeping nine instead of ten. And I felt that Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I stuck with nine on the offensive line, which allowed me to get at 25. That gave me an extra spot, uh, on defense. And Griffin is a great special teams player. Um, and if you're going to make the roster as like, you know, like the 53rd guy or the, you know, 52nd guy in the roster, you better be able to contribute on special teams. And Griffin wow. is great at that. Well, I mean, based on the fact that you kept Griffin and we've gone the same amount in defensive tackle and defensive end and then Griffin at linebacker for you, that points to either one of one of the um, defensive backs cut that might surprise people. Well, I've list. got I've got 10 defensive backs. Uh, it's I do keep, too. Keeping keeping Griffin was because I cut an offensive lineman that you. Well, did, did you keep Nick so, Nico Thorpe or not? I did. So let's do wow, that. Interesting. Let's, ta- let's talk yeah. this group. Okay. Because so I go ahead. I'll say, I'll start with this one. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, Quill Griffin, uh, Queen's brother, is. Um, you know, the top of the list, you got Quentin Dunbar, who I'm at this point, assuming his legal troubles are going to disappear and he's going to play. Trey Flowers is going to make it. Those are your top three, um, outside cornerbacks. Uh, Ugo Amadi is actually listed as a safety, but he's going to be the slot corner. Most likely. Um, I kept Nico Thorpe in order to, um, you know, he's the special teams captain, and is one of the better special teams gunners in the entire NFL. And then I went with another special teams guy uh, in Jason Stanley as uh, my fifth cornerback mm-hmm. because entirely of upside, um, former wide receiver, and a guy that can uh, play special teams really well. And I just I I can't 
I just see him making the team. And so, yeah, I went with five cornerbacks, two of which are, are primarily special teamers, but that's because Ugo Amadi is listed as a safety, but he's going to be a cornerback. Yeah, here's where we we diverged quite a bit. <clears throat> okay. And I did I I looked at this really hard. This is one of the groups I really studied um for this show because I wanted to because the 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 bottom two in this group are going to be new to the team to me. Um I cut Nico Thorpe. And it took a lot for me to get there and I'll explain. So, uh Griffin Quentin Dunbar, Trey Flowers, obviously. I went with a kid by the name of Brian Allen. Mm-hmm. Now, out of the group between Brian Allen, Nico Thorpe, and Ryan Neal and Jason Stanley, they're all kind of the same player. They're all outside cornerbacks who give who are tall, long guys, physical guys that give you upside on special teams. Um, the question is, does Brian Allen make the roster over Nico Thorpe? And I cut Nico because Nico's coming off an injury. He's getting to that point in his career where injuries might be a factor. He's older. They're paying top dollar for him to be their special teams kind of gunner, et cetera. And I think it's a time that maybe the roster turns over at that spot. And so I gave that to Brian Allen. And the reason I went with Brian Allen is he's originally a fifth round pick out of Pittsburgh. Uh, in 2017, he's a great tackler. He's 6'3", 215 pounds, ran a 4'4", 40, and a 4'6", 4'3", cone, 34-inch arms. And he's a gunner on special teams. That's kind of his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got tremendous upside. This guy's kind of been hanging around practice squads for a while, but... He gives you significant upside. He's the exact same kind of corner that the Seahawks like to develop. And you could say the same thing about Ryan Neal. Ryan Neal's 6'3", 200 pounds. He's a gunner. He's rounds a 4'4", 40, you know, 37-inch vertical leap. He's got a, that athletic upside. And Jason Stanley, the guy that you talked about, is a 4'3", He's a gunner on special team 6'2", 207. He's been hanging around as well, but he's got less... He's got less actual experience right now today than Brian Allen. True, but he's faster. <laughs> he is a little faster. He is a little faster. But I think experience right now really matters um, this year more than almost any other year to be ready to go out of the gate. And so a guy like Brian exper- Allen picking, gets the nod. If you're picking based on experience, then why aren't you keeping Nico Thorpe? Because he's a little injury prone. He's getting older and he's more expensive and it's time to time to transition that spot. That's all. So I'm nothing against Nico Thorpe. I'm just saying that that's the time. If you're trans, if you're giving up on the guy who has been the captain, uh, that yeah. represents special well, teams. For the last Griffin years, can be the captain now. Um, <laughs> I, I think if you if you are getting rid of him, you're getting rid of him with for ability, not for experience, because he is the experience. Well, that is true, and that's why no, that I, is true. That's yeah. what there's some ability question that comes into this as well. Do you want to keep a guy on the roster at corner when you've got um, Shaquille Griffin and Quentin Dunbar in contract years? Mm-hmm. Uh, would you rather develop a guy like Brian Allen, or would you rather keep a guy around like like Nico Thorpe, who's not going to give you anything? as an actual cornerback, whereas Brian Allen could develop and possibly be your 
third or fourth guy next year. Um, so I went, I went in that direction. And then Lyndon Stevens, I kept on the roster. And the reason that I kept Lyndon Stevens on the roster is he's actually a slot corner. Yeah, he so is. he's the only other slot guy other than Ugo Amadi that I saw on the entire roster, 90-man roster right now, that would have a chance to be in that role as a backup guy. And they probably would want a guy on the roster, I would think. Out of one of their corners, they would probably want a guy. So I I kept him over a guy like Ryan Neal or Jason Stanley that I thought maybe had current higher upside but didn't couldn't play the slot. So that's yeah. that was my list. Now, uh, in addition to that, I put Ryan Neal and Jason Stanley on the practice squad. So those guys are hanging around, at least on my list. And then Debone uh, Renfro, Gavin Halslop, and uh, Keeman Siverand, all uh, undrafted rookie free agents, are are not on the list. They're cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I could, I, I, I'm giving you a hard time about the Nico Thorpe thing, but I could totally see all of what you're saying. Um, I do like Brian Allen and, and I kept Stanley mainly just because of, of speed. And I like his story, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. it was, no, no, it, I, it, it I, came down yeah. to those two guys. Um, I mean, I did a whole write up so, last week when we did the show on, on Stanley. I get it. I, he, mm-hmm. he's got some upside. Quinn gave him a chance. Um, he's, he's hang, hung around, you know, rosters for a couple of years and probably has earned a shot. He's getting that shot. I just think Brian Allen beats him out. Okay. Uh, let's talk safety, because safety to me is was really easy up top. Obviously, Quandre Diggs, uh, Bradley McDougal, Marquise Blair, um, Ugo Amadi. There's four. Um, yes. You know, three of those guys are going to get considerable playing time at safety. Ugo Amadi's going to uh, get considerable playing time as a slot corner. Um, and be a backup or again, like a third string free safety because um, really Diggs, McDougald, and Blair can all play free safety, although Diggs is the best of that group. But if you know you have two injuries and you need another guy, um, you know, you, you let Amadi play back there and you let um, uh, whoever's not hurt, whether it be um, McDougald or Blair, play strong safety. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, I I wanted a fifth guy uh, at safety. I wanted someone who could uh, give them some special teams help. And also, you know, because if you're pulling Amadi to be a, a free safety, uh, mm-hmm. you're going to want someone else who can come in and back up free safety and, and do that. So I went with um, Josh Norwood. Uh, as my fifth guy, special teams player, uh, to be that fifth safety. Uh, I thought about, I mean, it was hard cutting Leno Hill because he's got talent. He has shown that he can get it done when he's out there. But, man, that guy just, he is the the safety version of, of CJ ProSize. Got the talent, but just always hurt. And um, so I went ahead and, and cut Leno Hill. Um, also cut Chris Miller. Uh, who was the other option? It was came down to between Miller and did Norwood you look for at me. Uh, did you look at Miller and Norwood? Um, little, did you have time to look at them? A little bit, um, not a lot. I mean, it, it came down to it was like, okay, who are you picking? And and um, I, I just like I like Norwood in, in coverage a little bit, so I, I just went with that. I don't know enough about him to really say one way or the other who's the um, the better player. Yeah, I know that like uh, Pro Football Focus or whatever had Chris Miller slightly ahead of Norwood, but they're literally really close as far as their rankings. 
Um, and they're both somewhat undersized. Chris Miller's five mm-hmm. eleven, one eighty. Josh Norwood's five ten, one seventy five. So they're smaller, but they're known. Both of them are are big hitters. Not afraid to stick their heads in there. Good solid uh, tackling skills. It probably does come down to the coverage, um, and and what Miller or, and Norwood could offer you in the way of being a single high safety kind of uh, potential. Maybe one of them gets the nod. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Leno Hill I had sticking on the roster. Um, Amadi, you had mentioned uh, switching over to free safety. I think you meant uh, into the slot at, at as a slot cover corner. No, he is, and I'm just saying in a in an absolute like uh, yes, no, pitch yeah. no, where where yeah. a bunch of guys get hurt, um, you know, mid game or whatnot. You could bring Amadi over to free safety. That's what I was saying. True. He is a slot. Yeah, corner. totally. So. Yeah. Yeah, but we have them in the safety list. So, yeah, I mean, we're re- really similar on defense overall. Um, I didn't keep Griffin. I probably could absolutely be talked into keeping Griffin. There's no question. He's a good, solid player. He's not going to be on the field for you um, making plays on the defense, though, at least in in our defense, the way it's loaded at linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not going to happen. And so you've got to make a spot for him on um, special teams. And... Maybe it's it's Griffin over Thorpe. Um, maybe it's Griffin over Nick Ballour. You know, however you want to slice it and dice it and make it happen on your roster, it's probably important that they keep Griffin. In my iteration, it was more important for me to have 26 players on offense. So that's just the way it was. That's the way it, it penciled out for me mm-hmm. initially. Um, and that's what happens when you have to make these, deci- these decisions, especially – you know, at running back and wide receiver, you're going to have some difficult cuts or difficult decisions to make. And it, and it does affect the rest of your roster. So I, if you go in and if we go back and we, and we look at my roster in particular, I've got four guys whose ideally their entire job is to play special teams. And that's not the kicker punter and long snapper. I'm talking about Nick Ballore, the fullback, um, uh, Shaquem Griffin at linebacker, and then Jason Stanley and Nico Thorpe at cornerback. That's four guys whose mm-hmm. primary job is to be a special teams player, uh, like on punt coverage. Which means they're going to be on the active forty-seven-man uh, roster on game day. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, or you're going to suit those guys at, up. At least three of those four, yeah. Um, and so that 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 when I went through and and did this. Um, I thought about that and I'm like, God, that's a lot to commit to special teams, uh, to have four roster spots, um, to be, mm-hmm. be special teamers. And, and that actually gave me a little pause, um, that maybe I could get away with, um, you know, doing, moving some people around, but that I just couldn't, I mean, I get like if, if I'd kept, um, at cornerback, if I had kept Brian Allen instead of Jason Stanley, it was still doing so because of um, special teams, right? Yeah. So the, he's still especially there because of special teams. Um, so I, I couldn't find a guy that I cut that I really wanted to keep um, and then let one of the special teams guys go, except for on the offensive line and keeping maybe Chance Warmack or Jordan Simmons. Uh, or Jordan Roost, one of those yep. type of guys. And I didn't need 10 offensive yep. linemen. I was like, yeah, d- to me it didn't matter. So I went with, uh, I, I went ahead and left it with the, all those special teams players. So what do you do with a guy like Ben Burkirvan? 
Um, I have him not making the roster. I just don't, I don't see a spot for him. I don't see a role for him. I don't think he, uh, he was not, um, he's not as good on special teams as uh, Keem Griffin. And he doesn't offer the pass rush uh, upside that uh, Griffin does. He, I mean, he can cover, which is one thing that he can do, but he's not a great tackler. Um, and I just, I just didn't see a spot for him when they drafted Jordan Brooks and signed Bruce Irvin. Totally. Ben, ben Brooke Irvin's, uh, path I, I to the roster agree. is only if there's multiple injuries at the position. Yeah. Well, and that's what makes Shaquem Griffin's role on the bubble. I mean, really it was last year and this makes it even worse if you really think about it with Bruce Irvin and Brooks mm-hmm. coming in. Um, what did you, th- and the only other real difference that we had more or less, I mean, we could swap Posick and Warmack or whatever, but you had, uh, Stefan Sullivan making the roster over Freddie Swain, which mm-hmm. I thought was probably the most interesting, um, difference between us. Um, that, that will be a very interesting development in camp. Uh, and you could throw Penny Hart in that as well. Um, does Penny Hart make the roster over a guy like John Ursua? Uh, mm-hmm. and then Swain and, and Sullivan are interesting. What do they do for you on special teams? What's the upside with Sullivan? What if Sullivan has just an outstanding couple preseason games, has a great camp, is catching the ball everywhere, is this big, huge red zone target? Um, I agree. I mean, he could definitely make the roster. There was no question that when I made my roster, Sullivan was definitely right there for me. I think I just went with Swain and I only went with five wide receivers. You went with six, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Cause you kept Ursula as well. Yep. And so, um, yeah. When I, part of what I, when I was looking at that at wide receiver is I looked at, you know, they kept David Moore, who was a seventh round pick over, um, I think it was Amara Darbo who was the fourth round pick, or maybe it was, um, God, there's been so many that have come and gone and, and not made any kind of impact. Um, and mm, so, but they kept yeah. David, they kept David Moore because he had the higher upside and he had, you know, the height and, and that kind of stuff. So they, they went with that. And then, um, you know, last year they kept, uh, John Ursula and, and cut Jennings, uh, thinking that, you know, he had more upside and, and a unique skill set. Uh, whereas Jennings I still was more, don't even know what Jennings, uh, what went wrong there. I really don't. Yeah. I don't know. Jennings but, just wasn't ready to be a pro. I mean, that's the only thing mm-hmm. I can think of. <laughs> and so I looked at this year and, and again, I, I see, yeah, Freddie Swain was drafted before, um, Sullivan, but I see him being less special as an athlete. And, uh, I think you're far enough down on the wide receiver depth chart where you 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 keep the guy who has a, ch- a chance to be special, and that was where I went with that direction. But honestly, I mean that you're that could totally go the other way because if if Sullivan doesn't show out and just really show out, um, then yeah, you keep you keep Swain because he's better now, and you put Sullivan on the practice squad and you keep both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally a possibility too. So I don't have any problem with the way that you uh, you set that up. Other than the fact that you cut John Ursula, and I like John Ursula. Uh, who's your dark horse uh, out of everyone to make the roster that you don't have making the roster right now? A dark horse that I don't have making the roster right now. 
Anthony Gordon, Penny Hart, Tommy Champion, Dom Wood Anderson, one of the you know defensive ends, Eli Menser, Marcus Webb, Lattimore, Chris Miller. Um, I would say for me, um, I would watch out for Lyndon Stevens, the cornerback. Mm-hmm. Because he offers you mm-hmm. again, he offers a unique skill set, and for him, it's his ability to cover the small, little, shifty wide receivers that typically play the slot that gives Seattle's bigger corners a hard time. Um, and I could see him, you know, getting a, a roster spot and a team running with, uh, you know, a fewer. Uh, outside corners than they would normally like, or uh, you know, putting Amadi back at 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 free safety, um, and you know, having him be more of a hybrid because they've got a guy that they believe that can be uh, the way Justin Coleman was, and so I could see them making a a, a, a philosophical switch for the right player, and Stevens would be a guy that I would be interested in for being mm-hmm. that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's why I had him on the roster, just for that unique skill set. He's a slot mm-hmm. guy. Um, yeah, interesting. You Cedric know? Lattimore would have been at defensive tackle, would have been yeah. another, probably my second my second choice. I'd, I'd put him on that list, but I just am so confident they're not done yet, yet at that position. And if they make a move, it, it puts his chances even lower to make mm-hmm. a roster. So I wouldn't think that. I'm thinking like Anthony Gordon. Uh, I'm just going to go way out there. A guy could show up, have worked on the offseason, worked on his feet, got a, got a quarterback coach, worked with somebody, um, and just really worked and developed his technique and his his overall skill set he's going to bring to camp and come in and shock the world and, mm-hmm. and just be ready. Be ready to be a competent backup. The upside would be so tantalizing for the Seahawks that they couldn't cut him. And that could be a possibility. Well, I mean, that, and that's, that was the rub on, on Gordon and why he dropped uh, and eventually dropped out of the, out of the um, draft and ended up undrafted. He's got the arm talent. He's got the accuracy. He's got the quick release. He's got the quick decision-making, but his footwork was terrible. His in-pocket yes. feel of pressure and and stuff was was bad. I mean, he needs his his lower half um was oh, completely absolutely. completely undisciplined and um and kind of terrible. And um you know, I I saw someone posted a thing on uh, about Peyton Manning uh on Twitter and they were showing how how awkward it was to watch him run even to his right. Um, but the way he did it kept his balance set and he could throw at any instant. He, he didn't need to reset his feet cause he was, it was awkward and it was weird and it was like, it's very unathletic looking, but it was perfect for a quarterback. Um, and it just made me re like, I just saw that and I thought about it and I, I did instantly go back and, and think about Anthony Gordon because he's the opposite of that. Um, his feet are never set in a way that he can use them. He's jump throwing mm-hmm. or he's throwing off his back foot or he's, you know, his, his, lower half his is, front foot or whatever. his lower half is twisted in a weird way and he's throwing across his body and it, it's just 
awkward. And if he can fix that, he could be a he could be a really good player. But that's a lot to fix. That's a lot of it muscle is a lot memory. to fix. That's a lot of muscle memory that has to be removed. And honestly, that's not something that I'm used to even predicting guys. Being this able is to a do. terrible off season for him to correct all of that. Mm-hmm. It just is. He just doesn't have a chance, you know, unless he's with a competent coach full time, just by the nature of whatever. Um, he's he's going to come in way behind. Um, mm-hmm. what normal uh, undrafted rookie free agent would come in at um, not having spent any time with any coaches, just being in meetings and, and walkthroughs on uh, I, in, in isolation is not, not going to be enough. He's going to need to go through the reps. So we'll see. Yep. We'll see. And um, as much as I wanted to say, yeah, he's not making the team and they're going to roll with Geno Smith. Um, BJ Daniels. Yeah. That's that's your counterpoint. They ran with him as the backup for two years, um, and Geno Smith. Was, though I think we are not giving him enough credit. I mean, nobody was on the roster like Geno Smith when BJ Daniels made the roster. I true. think that Geno Smith is is really competent. Is a good consummate pro. He does coin flips, you know, really well. <laughs> <laughs> which is the most important thing. Right. And, um, got to hold that clipboard. Yeah. I just think that, you know, Russell Wilson feel comfortable with him. I think it comes down to maybe Russell Wilson and Brian Schottenheimer. They're going to get in a room together and it's going to go, who mm-hmm. do you want? Who do you want? Um, and if Schottenheimer says, I can't stop thinking about Anthony Gordon, I go to bed at night and the last thing I think about is Gordon and I wake up in the morning and the first thing I think about is Gordon. It could be be Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, mean, that's what, that's the way these guys think. And if he's like that and he just can't stop working on him and and figuring out how to make him better, he may end up choosing the project Mm -hmm. and go with Anthony Gordon because Russell Wilson's so dependable. You can keep Geno Smith around on the shadow roster for a while, I mean, he may get picked up eventually um, during the season, but he could be available for a while there, and maybe that's what they end up doing. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Geno Smith, I believe. Looking, you look around the league, and he is one of the better backup quarterbacks out there. I mean, top ten can, backup. I would say top five backup. Um, and. Honestly, when they re-signed him, I thought it was a great move. I still think it's a great move. I love having uh, a backup that has done it as a starter. And, uh, you know, the way he has, it was like when they had Tavares Jackson as a backup. Um, Maybe not, you know, a great starter, not a guy that, you know, you want leading your team to try and make a playoff run, Um, but certainly a capable starter. And to have that there on your roster is really valuable. And so I think this is a great discussion that we're having and it's fun, but honestly, if the Seahawks are serious about contending this year, and I believe they are, you have to roll with um, Gino. And there are ways that the Seahawks can protect Gordon if he makes it through the, through the initial cut period and they put him onto the practice squad. They could in theory, Make sure he doesn't get picked off. Mm-hmm. All right. 
because you can protect two players uh, this year. You have to pay. They them. just can't be the same. They there's some alternating thing where they can't be the same players three weeks in a row or something like that. I, I don't know. Yeah. Some weird thing, but they can move stuff around to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, fifty-three man roster projection. I like it. So, um, next week we're going to do a, uh, a a sipping of uh, brews, beverages, and, and question and answer show. Yeah. So, if you've got questions, send them to us. You can send them to us um, on the website. You can comment on. Uh, under this show or any, uh, well, yeah, coming under this show, um, you can find us on social media. You can send us stuff on Instagram or uh, Twitter. Those are probably the best ones. And whether you send it to us personally yep. or to or the, Facebook um, or to the the show's uh, official account, um, send us some questions. Send us some fun questions. They don't have to be football. Um, they can be literally anything. True. So um, yeah, we're done with football. I mean, <laughs> we are done with football. We want to talk about like beaches and concerts and food and uh, doing fun things with the family and landscaping and all that stuff, right? <laughs> Reading a book, what's your favorite book, et cetera. So, um, yeah, anything but football. Or no, or I'm football. kidding. You I'm can kidding. also I'm, it can I'm be kidding. football. I'm just saying those other things are great too. Like they make, they make <laughs> yes. for a fun show. So send us your <laughs> yeah, questions. Exactly. Um, it's much more fun when when you guys get to uh, dictate what we're talking about rather than us making up. Yeah. Uh, you know, the making this stuff up. It's it's just fun that way. So please send us your questions. So until next time, follow Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. I'm at NWC Hawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook. And you can find the show on the interwebs at SeahawksPlaybook.com. You can find all the shows. You can subscribe. You can listen. All that good stuff. So until next time, Keith, go Go Hawks. Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. The show is at Hawks Playbook. And you can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.